Good morning and welcome to the show. The Back Nine Boys Golf Show is brought to you by Mizuno Golf, Reach Beyond, by Club Car, the leader in sport utility and personal vehicles, by RSM, proud sponsor of the RSM Classic coming up in November, giving back to our community, and by Bridgestone Golf. Get fitted for your Tour B ball today. On the show, we're going to talk with CBS Sports' Dottie Pepper, Global Golf Post's CEO Jim Nugent, and recent Georgia Open champion Austin Morrison about his win. But first up is Austin Morrison, who won the Georgia Open with a score of 13 under par at Jennings Mill Country Club in Bogart. And I asked Austin what that win meant to him. All right, let's talk about the Georgia Open. You played the course. Um, you played it last year. Yep. And it was, you played it well, but mm -hmm. you didn't get the success that you wanted. Yeah, uh, I played in a form event last year. Um, so PJ Tour Canada was basically in the States last year. I was, uh, I was tied for second and tied for third going into the final round in the final group and, uh, four putted the third hole, shot 73, moved back 10th. Um, could have had a chance to win and finish like top 20 on that tour and gotten my corn fairy card or could have, um, at least gotten some world ranking points and neither one of those happened. Um, and kind of started a, a little bit of like that round on the next six months was kind of a downturn for me golf wise um but i saw the georgia open was there and i had nothing on the schedule so i went out did all the qualifying which it's actually kind of not hard but it's a hassle to get into for a mini tour guy where you gotta go up to atlanta um play a qualifier get through that um and then yeah i feel really comfortable on that golf course and it was really good to have four rounds um, was near the lead every round, and um, yeah, it felt really good. It was a, it was it was good. Like it was it was a good like turnaround from last year, and it was good to I've had a really solid year. I feel like and had some missed opportunities trying to win golf tournaments. So to get like to actually get the job done and get something that I know I've done really well. But sometimes I think in this business you need you don't need the affirmation from other people, but it's nice. To, to give them like a carrot so that they know that you're actually working your ass off and doing well. Um, and I think that was the big part of it for me is it was finally something I could show to people like, yeah, I've been having a good year and it's kind of a, it's the best part of the year for sure. All right. So you play a golf course that you missed an opportunity yeah. when you shot a 73 and then you go back to the same golf course. Did you have any thoughts about what happened last year on that golf course when you were playing it this year for the Georgia Open? Not really. I think in a good way, I um, I changed putters. I think my life is completely outside of, you know, the team around me is so different from last year. Um, I started working with Tom Hemmings this year. Um, I have a new girlfriend who I really, really adore. Um, I've got a new putter in the bag. And, like, there's just so many things were different that it was – it makes a huge difference, though, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, off the course means almost as much as on the course. Exactly. And I'm I'm really big on, like, the team you put around you. Um, and I really firmly, like, I have a lot of belief in Jared and Tom, uh, Jared, Zach, Tom Hemmings, and what, what they do and the information they give me and the opportunity that I have to go play. And so I just, I felt extremely confident when I was there that it was not going to be the same thing as last year. Cause just right, right. The, the way my life was going was very different than where it was at the time last year. Yeah, and it's amazing how those things can just change your perspective, and all of a sudden you go, that's what was missing. Yeah, you know? 100%. All right, so 
Now you win the Georgia Open. Mm -hmm. What does that do for you for the rest of this year, but more importantly for next year? Um, I mean, the easiest thing is it's more cash in my pocket, which lets me take a couple more chances and go do more Mondays or travel more, stuff like that. Um, doesn't really push me forward, except I'm exempt in the Georgia Open. Further on, I'm hoping I'm going to reach out to Pat Day, see if it can get me past the pre-qualifier for the RSM since I don't have status. Um, but I don't know. Big thing is it's just, you know, you play 72 holes, you get a win, and that's that's really what golf is, is and that's what I was thinking. I've got Q School next week, and I was thinking about how exciting it was to win and to have that opportunity, and now I get to go play something else that means a lot. And I think we do so many mini tour events so we sit around here and just play golf with all the other access members right. and to actually play something that matters and to know that you can play well in that is really cool and that's what I, gives me that experience going forward into Q school okay you've played the mini tours you want to get back on the tour you want to get to the tour you want to win mm -hmm. what about liv what does you and i had a discussion about it the other day and you yeah. said it gives me more opportunities the more guys that go to liv yes so i mean i think um it's it's a really interesting like thing that's going on with golf right now because i it's like for me personally i don't really care what anybody does i'm i know the decision i would make if i was asked to go play lv and i probably wouldn't do it um but i do think selfishly whether it's morally right or wrong i don't want those guys to be able to play on the pga tour just because it opens up spots for me now that is inherently selfish and i can admit that um and but I that's think, a different perspective yes. than a lot of other people look at it. Correct. And it, you look at it of, hey, it's an opportunity for me, more mm -hmm. places than it would have been without. Yeah, it's like I remember asking, um, asking when I was like in high school or maybe it was just after college, but <laughs> I, I had asked some tour pros that I thought about Tiger. And they're like, you know, I don't really love the thing with his wife, but he was he was the best thing for professional golf because he just grew the game so much and gave so much people so many more opportunities and i think like as a aspiring mini tour or as an aspiring aspiring tour pro who's on mini tours right now and have got a different perspective on live than your average person who watches golf or someone on the pga tour um and i think in this world we live in now different perspectives isn't really allowed kind of no, but it's kind of refreshing <laughs> to take a look at it yeah. rather than from a negative to make it into a positive for Austin Morrison. Yes, correct. Uh, I think instead of rather like bashing the guys, they can go make they can go make their money over there, and I have not an opportunity specifically for me, but I think it. You know, you're getting five cards basically straight from Q School now to the PGA Tour starting next year. That if Live Golf didn't exist, I don't think that would happen. And so if I look at it from that perspective, I kind of like it because it's, it's given an easier avenue for guys to get on tour. That is Georgia Open winner Austin Morrison talking about opportunities for him uh, despite all the fact that all these guys have gone from the PGA Tour to live. Global Golf Post is a free online pub and has been at the forefront of the PGA Tour battle with uh, live.
On the phone with us is CEO of Global Golf Post, Jim Nugent. Good morning, Jim. How are you? Rich, good morning. Thank you very much for uh, having me on on this glorious September day. It is a glorious day, and it's always great to have you on. Um, the PGA Tour and you guys have been at the forefront of this battle since it's been going on, and now it looks like some of the golfers from Live 18, to be specific, they're coming face-to-face -face with some of the PGA guys at the DP World event. Yeah, it was a week that uh, a lot of people thought there was going to be uh, high anxiety and tension over in London at uh, Wentworth uh, Golf Club. But uh, sadly, the passing of the Queen kind of defanged uh, all of the tension that, uh, that might have existed and, 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 and put the, the Live PGA Tour uh, battle in the background. And, and I don't think you're going to hear or see much about tension or anxiety as it relates to overpaid uh, professional golfers uh, on the weekend. I think uh, uh, the the state of uh, mourning that the country is in is far more important to what's going on at uh, a golf tournament at Wentworth. Yeah, I totally agree with you there. But Social media was also very uh, on the spot as far as uh, Ian Poulter and uh, Billy Horschel on the putting green. Uh, it looked like a heated argument. It looked like there were not stiff arms, but, you know, there was, hey, you got to listen to this or no, you got to see my view. Um, I mean, I know they've blown it up. Uh, do you have any idea what, what happened there? I think the video uh, overstated uh, yeah. the, the confrontation, but, you know, that's typical of social media in the world that we live in certainly have two very, very opinionated uh, players in, in Billy and, and Ian and, and both believe fever, fervently in, in what they're doing and right. the righteousness of what they're doing. Um, and, and obviously they disagree uh, wholeheartedly, but I don't think it was uh, 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 an angry confrontation. Uh, but nonetheless, they're, they're on, uh, they, they are the faces of the opposing sides in, in this discussion. Right. Yeah, and, you know, the 18 live pros that are uh, at the DP World event, um, uh, some of the PGA Tour and European Tour players have both spoken outright saying, we don't want them here. Well, I think that's a, an absolute fact. Um, the, there is a belief among the, the card-carrying members of the PGA Tour that those 18 players and the other 30 have, have made a decision. Uh, they they respect the decision, I think, for the most part. But decisions in life have consequences. And one of the consequences is that uh, these players should have foregone the opportunity to play at Wentworth. The, the issue that is at hand here is, in America, uh, Jay Monahan has a great deal more authority to imp uh, impose the rules of the PGA tour. And remember that those rules were created by the players for the players. Right. And you're in Europe. That's a completely different situation. Keith Pelly, the CEO of the DP world tour does not have nearly the authority that Jay has in America. And it's quite possible that you're going to have two uh, different sets of rules that uh, these live players are not going to be able to play on the PGA tour, but will have the ability to play on the DP world tour just because of the, the differences in the laws governing the, the, the two nations. Yeah. And I, I saw that put to test when uh, uh, 
Pelly asked the Live players not to wear any Live apparel. Um, and yet, as we all know, Patrick Reed was shown wearing Live golf apparel. Yeah, and I think Poulter did as well. And, you know, for both of those players, it's, it's completely on brand. Uh, anti-authoritarianism, uh, just yep. calling attention to themselves, thumbing their nose at uh, authority. Um, no surprise there, but I think the rest of the Live players uh, respected the, the request and, and, and lived by it. No surprise on those two players. No, I mean, because they both have gone in the opposite direction of what they probably would have gone or should have gone anyway. Um, speaking yeah. of going in a different direction, Jim, uh, some said social media, the DJ's win at Boston uh, on the live tour is just what they needed. Do you agree with that? Well, to be honest with you, I wouldn't know because I didn't watch it. I didn't either. I about it. Uh, you know, I, I think that's a little bit of uh, live golf social media uh, trying to get out in front here and, and make it seem like uh, Boston was uh, – some sort of Rubicon that they crossed. Uh, I don't see it that way. It was still a very, very small crowd. Yep. Um, it was apparently exciting down toward the end. There was a playoff. It could have been a five-man playoff is what I read. Uh, but I don't know that that was a, a turning point for, for live golf. It, if the tree falls in the forest and no one sees or hear it, hears it, did the tree really fall? Yeah, well, very good point. After the FedEx Cup, Six more players went to live. Do you really think that there's going to be any more after the President's Cup? No, I don't. I think uh, what they have for right now is what they have. I don't think you're going to see any other great exodus. There might be one or two players that goes over. But you have to remember they've got a cap of 48 players. And as Norman has said, they're, they're pretty full right yeah. now. Um, so I don't think there's going to be a great exodus. I think it's what you, what you have right now is what they're going to start the season with their, their new league season next year. Uh, there may be the occasional defection along the way. Uh, I think it's going to be until next fall when their season is complete, when they have a full year under their belt that other PGA tour players who have been rumored such as a, a Patrick Cantlay, are going to reassess and say, well, wait a second, maybe, maybe I should go and do this. So I think the lineup for live right now is pretty well set. Yeah. And that brings up a good point. I mean, there were a lot of players because they didn't have a lot in the beginning in their first tournament that they had in London. And a lot of those players that did play have now been kind of pushed aside with these other PGA tour players that have gone over to the other side and they don't have a lot of choices of where they're going to play. Um, you know, they may be going to the Asian tour. They may be trying to get on the DP world tour, but, but they don't have ranking points. So those guys are kind of, some of them are just kind of out of luck. Well, the, the players that, that haven't uh, been able to continue to play really didn't ever sign contracts with Liv. They were one-offs. They, they were invited to play in an event. And by virtue of finishing last, they made, I think, $120,000 was, was the number, something like that. Right. Um, none of them really were uh, members of the PGA Tour or likely to remain members of the PGA Tour. Uh, but you're right. They're in limbo. Limbo. They're, they're not welcome on the PGA Tour. They're not welcome to Q School. They're probably going to have to go play the Asian Tour or beat it around on mini tours. 
um, they were pawns uh, in a in a bigger chess game here, yeah. and they took the hundred twenty thousand dollars or whatever they made. Um, but right now, they're players without a place to play. Yeah, which was more money than they probably would have made in two years, probably playing on some of the mini tours. In, in many cases, yeah, it was it was a big paycheck. Uh, uh, so they, you know, like I said, decisions have consequences. They made their decision. Uh, now they have to live with the consequences. Yeah, and Davis has announced his teams for the President's Cup in Charlotte. Uh, looks like a strong team. Uh, not so great for the other side. Um, I think they really got hurt by the players going to live. What are your thoughts? Unquestionably, you know, and and it's going to be a, a an interesting event because uh, in Charlotte, it's going to be wildly successful. They have sold it out uh, from a patronage point of view. They sold it out from a corporate hospitality point of view. Financially, it's going to be the most successful President's Cup uh, that's ever been played. On the golf course, it could be a walkover. Yeah, It's a really startling juxtaposition that really calls into question the future of the President's Cup, particularly in light of, of, of the Live situation. Yeah, and how do you think uh, what's going on with Live and PGA Tour is going to affect uh, next year's Ryder Cup? Uh, U.S., I think, is going to be, again, in a very strong position under Zach Johnson. A very similar situation. I'm quite sure that it's going to be a, a great financial success for the DP World Tour in, in Rome. But it, it, right now, uh, the, and, and there's time, you know, for the Ryder Cup, the President's Cup. There, there isn't time. It's going to take place in a couple of weeks. Um, you have taken out uh, a very strong link between Seve Ballesteros, who who was responsible for creating the modern Ryder Cup uh, uh, spectacle when Sergio Garcia and Lee Westwood and, and Ian Poulter are not a part of it. There's a connection right. that's been lost there. Right. Uh, Luke Donald is, is uh, one of the great match play uh, competitors in, in the modern era of golf, both as an amateur at the Walker Cup and, and, uh, and in the Ryder Cup. So he, he's a very capable leader. But he's going to need to find two or three of these younger kids on the DP World Tour to, to step up and accept the responsibility of representing the, the continent and competing at a high level. Otherwise, uh, unfortunately, Luke's looking at a similar situation that uh, the President's Cup is. Yeah, totally agree. Jim, as always, it is a pleasure to have you on the show. Uh, thank you for your uh, upfrontness, if that's such a word, and uh, enjoy your day. Thank you very much. And, uh, Rich, as always, go Wildcats. You gotcha. You gotcha right. Go Luke Donald, too. All right, Jim Nugent, uh, CEO of Global Golf Post. Uh, we're going to be back with uh, NBC Sports' Dottie Pepper. But first, we want to remind you about clubs. Do you need new clubs? Of course you do. Try the Mizuno 925s. They're there to improve your game. They will help you reach beyond. Also, try out the Mizuno driver, the fairway medals, the hybrids, which are great. And you're on your way to game improvement. Try the new models of their putters. they got a blade. they got a mallet. They're great. Check out the new Everything at MizunoGolf.com. Mizuno Golf, reach beyond. Hi, this is Nick Faldo, and you are listening to Back Nine Boys Golf Show. Welcome back. I'm Rich Stiles. Our next guest is Dottie Pepper, former LPGA winner, now CBS Sports on-course reporter. 
morning, Dottie, and welcome back to the show. Glad to have you back. Well, good morning. It's good to be back. So you have been in social media. You've been talking a lot about the season, which I want to talk about in a few minutes. But how do you, Dottie Pepper, who's played on the LPGA Tour for years, won there, and has also covered the PGA Tour for years for various different broadcast organizations, now with CBS, how do you feel about the Live Tour? First, personally, from a, from a pure golf perspective, it makes me very sad. Yeah. Um, that there's been such a division uh, sort of place in, in the professional game. And I think it's really important that we separate the professional game and the overall game, um, the amateur game that, that most of us play. Uh, but it, it, it makes me sad that, that you have to be part lawyer to understand what's going on right now, that I think some of the spirit of professional golf people like Arnold Palmer and Sam Snead, I think they'd have been sad too. Yeah. Um, it just, it, to me, it's, it's based on the greed and vengeance of one very unhappy man, Greg Norman, and it's just, it's taken on a mushroom cloud. It really has. And, you know, what I liked about what you just said is you got to separate the PGA Tour from golf. And, yeah. But, but it's really made a difference. And a lot of people, I mean, just who don't play golf for a living, but they're either for it or totally against it. There's really no middle ground. Right. And, and, and sorry, it's, it's, a, it's very polarizing for, for many people. Um, it's polarizing for me because I don't think it's good for the overall health of professional golf. And other people think, well, why do golfers have to pay for their own expenses? Why, why do we have to do this? Why do we have to do that? Why do you call penalties on yourself? Um, I, I think it goes back to the spirit of the game right? and the way, way we played. And, and I think this, um, if it's not managed properly, could, could really kind of violate that spirit. So what else do you think the PGA Tour can do that maybe they haven't? They've increased events. They've increased a lot of money. Um, so in the bottom line, was Phil Mickelson correct that the PGA Tour was hiding millions and millions of dollars? He's absolutely incorrect. And what, what happened this year was that the new media deal cut, popped in. They never had that money in the pipeline. They've just signed a brand new multi, nearly decade deal with the top levels of their media partners. That money wasn't there. So no, so it was not correct. Uh, I think where the mistake was made for the PGA Tour was back when they started the wraparound season. It didn't give the top players enough time to be off rehabbing, spending time with their families, doing things to balance their yeah. lives. Yeah. And now that's going to happen too, but that's been talked about as well. So I think, I think Phil threw a lot of fuel on, on, a, on a, maybe on a, on a few embers, um, and they've found deep pockets to, to fuel this, this anger. Yeah. But I think, I think the PGA Tour was evolving. It had money that was coming into the coffers, and remember, they just dipped into those coffers to make the 2020 season happen. When there were no fans, there were no pro-ams, there were all of those things that go to, to build up the entire body of tournaments. The, the, the PGA Tour helped keep that going. And I think somehow everybody forgot that, too. Yeah. 
Yeah, I totally agree with that because that's a point that I don't think a lot of the media um, or the players that have gone to the other tour have even mentioned during that, that the PGA Tour basically funded what was going on because there wasn't a lot of other things going on. There were no fans. There was no nothing. No. I mean, it was, it was very advantageous for the PGA Tour to yeah. become the first major sport to come back um, in a truly competitive way from the COVID lockdown. Yeah. And I was super proud to be part of that. Effort. Yeah, I'll bet you were. Do you agree with it the was, tour? Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. It was, it was a, I think it was, it was a special time when we realized that simple isn't all that bad. Yeah, exactly. Do you agree with the PGA tour that these players who went to the other place uh, will not be welcome back? I do. I, I do. I, I think Jay had to, had to come down and, and make a decision on behalf of the rest of the body of players. I think he had to make a decision based on his title sponsors. I think he had to make a, a decision based upon the agreement that players sign on to when they become members and renew their membership every year. And that's a limited number of, of releases to go play other events when there are PGA tour events on the schedule. And I think he had an obligation to, to his media partners. I also think it's really important to remember that Jay Monahan is not an autocrat. He's He's there with a board and a players organization behind him. It's not just right. Jay Monahan. Right, right. Well, do you think that he and the board have reacted and handled this situation in a proper way? I don't know that anybody makes makes big decisions and doesn't have some reservations about maybe some portion of the process. But I think overall, yes, I do. Okay. I, I am in support. Okay. What are your thoughts on what Tiger and Rory are proposing that looks like it's going to get approved or has gotten approved by the PGA Tour with some new events? I think the biggest thing that they've, they've all gotten on board with, and I applaud them, is that the best players are going to play against each other in the same place more often. And they're going to play. If it goes through as 20 events, some of them are going to end up playing, playing more golf. Um, but it's going to be against the best players and that's what they've all been wanting from from the very beginning and, and I, I think the schedule again the wraparound schedule to me is what forced some of these uncomfortable conversations and what's happened with Liv because there really wasn't an off season and we've seen it deteriorate things in tennis a little bit where players are worn out they're injured and there's no time no time to take time off without feeling like you're falling behind everybody else who's still continuing to play so I, I think they've done a really good job of putting the best players on that same stage more often and giving them what looks like it's going to be an, an option for an offseason. Okay, which brings up an interesting point. You talked about, you know, the mistake made or that, you know, maybe they should have thought it through a little bit more about the wraparound season. Do you think that we're coming to an end of the wraparound season? Because I know the schedule came out for 22-23, and it's only through August of next year. Do you think the wraparound season, as far as those events, are in jeopardy? The wraparound season will not go again after next year. That's already been been decided. Okay. After that next year's playoff, there will be some fall events, but the start of the season will be with Century in in Hawaii early in January. And that is really going to change a lot of schedules and these added events that the t 
Tiger and Rory proposal is going to do will mean that these players are really going to be playing more for more money? In some situations, yes. Um, so, I, again, I, I think what Rory and Tiger did uh, was get the best players in the same place more often. Um, there are going to be some events that they – this is where they're going to play. Um, you know, look, all of the details haven't been completely flushed out yet, but you're going to see some pretty magical golf against the, with the best players in the world playing in the same place. And that's, again, what we've been looking for. Yeah, I, I think that's going to make a huge difference. Do you think we saw quite a bit of players leave after the Tour Championship? Dottie, do you think there's going to be some more uh, leaving the Tour after the President's Cup? Rule number one in journalism is don't speculate, so I'm not going to speculate. <laughs> <laughs> Rumors are out there, but I'm not going there. <laughs> I understand. I understand. I'm trying to get off the live topic, but there's just so many things about it. Um, I know. I, you know, a few weeks ago or maybe a couple months ago, I read something that the new LPGA commissioner was willing to meet with a representative from live. What are your thoughts of that as far as being a member of the LPGA for so long? Not a fan of it. Um, but I also understand that if you're going to battle for a 72 year old institution's history, you probably ought to understand what, what's on the deck and what the potential is, is for. But I, I just believe that the LPGA is on a really good track. It's on a solid track with wonderful sponsors at so many different levels. I mean, you think about what happened at the KPMG Women's PGA Championship, mm -hmm. where the purse was doubled to $9 million. I know it's not an LPGA event, but it's on their schedule. What happened with the women's open, um, the women's open at Muirfield, um, AIG bumped that purse up. They've got solid companies behind a product that just keeps getting better and better. And I believe you stay the course. We were that, by the way, I was in that room, um, in the early nineties when Charlie Meacham was, was commissioner yeah. and the first attempt by Norman to take over professional golf and turn it into a worldwide tour happened. And Charlie's whole thing was, a, we're already a worldwide tour. We have the best players playing in the best tournaments on a week-to-week -week basis, and we're going to stay the course. And I, it may have been 30 years ago, but I think the plan worked, and I think it will continue to work. I agree totally with that statement. Do you find it great now that the LPGA Tour are playing some of the courses that have oh. always been outstanding? I mean, that's a big change when you were on tour, because a lot of those courses, I'm, I'm sure you all would, have loved to have played in a, in a tournament? No question about it. Uh, I remember when the, the Women's Open, the Women's British Open, went to Lytham for the first time, and the eyes that opened up and said, we're finally going back to, we're going to get to play places that we've really only read about or yeah. seen, seen clips of footage about. But I, I do think um, there's a silver lining to most things. And I think the silver lining of the golf ball and driver combination, the technology, has been great for women's golf because they're going to places that are no longer relevant for the guys. Ah, great point. Great point. Yeah. And I always, I mean, I've played in some pro-ams with LPGA Tour players, and I find that I learn more from them than I do the PGA Tour guys because I can relate more to their swing speed, to their distance. Not anymore, but I, I used to. Um, but, but, um, 
they were just so much more engaging than some of the PGA Tour players. Well, I, I think they, the LPGA players recognize that, that that pro-am experience is so important to the business of the tour, to their their own experience. I mean, they are personable. They are interested. Mm-hmm. And to your point about the relatable part of, of the golf swing, um, there's look, there's still a strength difference between the man and the woman. And I don't think you can get get by with as many compensations as, as a female to swing the golf club and get the most out of it. Yeah. And the mechanics, the teaching is, is tremendous. And you, I do, I, I always had a, sw- a swing in the back of my mind when I got in trouble and it was Patty Sheehan because her tempo was so amazing. Um, setup was very neutral and it just, it got me through some bad times. And, and I think it's, it's, it's more, um, it's simpler or easier to find an LPGA's, player swing that you can pick certain parts of it of and help yourself. Yeah, totally agree. Um, let me ask you this. Do you think that the LPGA um, and the PGA will ever have another event uh, together? I do. I, I, think the, I think the conversation between the tours, but I think the silos of golf are starting to really um, become more more fluid. Okay. Uh, they're, they're not as rigid as, as they were. And, and I do think if there's now some more space in the schedule, that maybe there's a chance that the old J.C. Penny was the sponsor, the J.C. Penny mixed team, which yeah. always had a great field. Oh, yeah. And the players loved it. Um, hey, I, former winner, it, it, was, it was the biggest paycheck I made. Yeah. And, and wasn't um, the Wendy's the, the three, was it three on three? Yeah, that's it. I remember that being played in Lake Las Vegas. I remember that tournament. I loved watching that. Yeah, I, I think there's, I think there's a space for it, and I think there's enthusiasm on on both sides for it. Yeah. Okay. And while we're at it, um, you could you could throw the seniors in there as well. You could have three tours in one place if you get the right facility. Oh. You could have some kind of some kind of summit of of professional golf, couldn't you? That would be kind of fun. A senior player, a PGA Tour player, an LPGA Tour player on one team playing yeah. against 20 other teams. Which, by the way, they used to do with Gillette. They had a, a qualifying thing on Tuesday afternoons. There were a, a um, series of, of shootouts on all three tours. You accumulated points throughout the year, and you went to Bermuda to play that same thing. You play the senior, an LPGA player, and a regular PGA Tour player and an event um, at the end of the season. And talk about a great pro-am that would be. I mean, with, I, with you know, all, oh, my gosh, that would just be incredible. Yeah. It really I would. Think, I think the upside of all of this conversation that seems to be kind of a bummer yeah. um, is that now we're talking about other things that could be happening. Right. Other positive things that could be happening. Again, my, my glass is, is half full about it. Am I sad about the conversations having to be had under this guise? Yeah, I, I am. Yeah. But I think there's going to be some positives that really come from this. Yeah, because you haven't had the break in the schedule in order to have those kind of talks. Yeah. Right. I got you. Well, Dottie, we've got to take a quick break. I know you understand those breaks. We'll be right back with uh, CBS's great announcer, Dottie Pepper, right after this. Baltasaur here, caddy at Webb Simpson, 2012 U.S. Open winner, 2018 Players Champ, and I'm here on the Back Nine Boys Golf Show. And welcome back. I'm Rich Stiles, and we are here with uh, CBS's Dottie Pepper. And Dottie... One of the things that I always love talking to you about is that you're so upfront and you're you don't back away from any question. And I, I, I really appreciate that for having you 
on the show and for you doing that? Well, I, I guess I, I learned that from, from a family that always had an opinion. And you could have any opinion you wanted, but you had to speak up and you had to have a well-rounded <laughs> argument. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. You can thank my grandfathers. <laughs> All right. How would you rate the PGA season on a scale of 1 to 10? Oh, wow. Uh, that wasn't one of the choices. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm trying to come up with a re- Honestly, I'm trying to come up with a reason not to give it a 10. Okay. As I, I thought it was spectacular. Yeah. I, I, I think, you know, you had four outstanding major champions. You had compelling golf rights onto the last hole of so many events. You had some crazy good scoring. Um, you had some very difficult scoring. I mean, you look at, at uh, Max Homer winning at Avenel. We saw everything yeah. from, from that perspective. Yeah, we saw you know, mega under par at the Open Championship, and then we get, you know, the other side of Avenel just showing its teeth through a, a nor'easter on the weekend. Yeah, uh, We saw classic golf courses. We saw some new golf courses. I think overall it was a spectacular season for the, for the PGA Tour. All right. I noticed that in the list of Player of the Year um, nominees that uh, Cam Smith was listed. Um, a lot of people on social media have been saying he shouldn't even be on the list, da-da-da-da-da. Well, he did great things when he was on the PGA Tour, but he's probably not even going to be in the consideration for being a, named a winner. Do you agree with that? I, well, I, I would say he definitely belongs on that list because he was a PGA Tour player for the entire okay. PGA Tour season. Okay. There's no question he belongs on that list. Okay. Um, but I, I think the body of his work overall was not up to Scotty Shufflers. Right. So I, that, that to me is that's, that's a silly conversation. Yeah, I, I, I agree. think um, to not have him on that list, is, that, that makes zero sense to me. Yeah, and I agree with you because I – I think you just said Scotty should be the player of the year, and I totally agree with that. Yeah, I think if you um, if you if you ask Scotty, was he the player of the year in the first half or the second half? Yeah, he's definitely the player of the player of the year in the first half of the season, and he would probably say he was one B in the second. But yeah. that was a darn darn impressive body of work, especially for a guy who had never won on the PGA Tour before. Yeah, he kept the he kept the pedal down all year. Yeah, you're right. He, and he was also there at the Tour Championship, and he just did not have a very good Sunday. Yeah, just a, a bad half of the Sunday because he came out smoking Sunday morning to yeah. finish round three, and something happened in those that three-hour window, which, welcome to golf, right? Exactly. All right, let's talk about one of your passions, your book, uh, Letters to a Future Champion. How proud of you are you about the book? I'm, I'm, I'm really proud of it. Um, you know, it, it came... The formulation for it, the the really grinding part of it, came during during the COVID lockdown. So it was something again, glass half full. Something very positive came out of it. Uh, I think what I'm I'm proudest of is it's it's really solidified again my relationship with the entire Pulver family. I heard from a second cousin this week. <laughs> it's crazy, right? Uh, but also the people who have taken time to physically write me letters like Mr. Pulver did to me and back and forth as student mentor, because it's given them the inspiration to reach out to people who are so important in their lives right. um, coming up in the game or in their professions now. That, that to me, is where that book hits, hits my heart. And how can our listeners uh, get a copy? Uh, it's on my own website at dottypepper.net. 
Uh, it's also available in the PGA Tour Superstores. There are uh, there's some at Ostad, um, but the easiest way, and the Northshire Bookstore in Saratoga Springs. But the, the quickest way, um, if you're not in those areas, is to go directly to my website at dottypepper.net and click on book. Dottypepper.net. Get it because it is a great book. All right, one last question. We've probably got about a minute. Many of the Live Tour players will probably, without world ranking points, play majors, and some might not get back to Augusta. Your thoughts? Mm -hmm. Uh, Decisions have consequences. And there are, you know, uh, go go play hard in those events right now while the DP Tour World world Tour is is, um, still giving world ranking points to those players. Uh, you know, if you have won a major, well, you're still going to have some eligibility. It puts a lot of pressure on those. But I, I just think that these decisions have consequences. And it's going to be a while before that decision about those world ranking points is made. It's, you know, there's like a, a one-year uh, holding time before right. they make the decision. And, and, and that's where we are. Yeah. Other, other tours have had to go through that process. And this, this tour is going to be no different. Gotcha. Dottie, I can't thank you enough for your time. I hope you uh, had a chance to walk your dog this morning. Thank you for that, too. I did, and you'll laugh because in the middle of this, now you noted I didn't sound, like, totally agitated. Yeah. Um, he took off after a cat and went to the, the neighbor's <laughs> <laughs> Right in the middle of our conversation. Oh, my gosh. That is too funny. Dottie, thanks for being with us. Feedback. All right, good. That's great. Thank you. <laughs> thanks. Bye. All right, take care. Dottie Pepper, CBS Sports. She's great. Just remember one thing person with the fastest cart has the best lies. You've been listening to the Back Nine Boys Golf Show with Rick Stiles. Go to backnineboys.com for all things golf whenever you want it. We'll be back next week with an all-new Back Nine Boys at backnineboys.com.